All right. Well, here we go. We are into 2023. Yeah, we made it. We made it. We made it for another year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, can I just say one thing? There is an ad on television that I find so insulting. It's an ad. I keep, and also I, there's some, I think it's weird that I keep getting fed this ad, but <laughs> it is an ad for an over 50 dating site. Okay. This ad has this guy, he's like, I'd like to be dating, but I don't know how. And so then graphic comes up, a large graphic that says, step one, open laptop or phone. So in other words, it's for senior citizens. Yeah, but it's billing itself for over 50. I'm like, you don't think that people who were born from 1972 back, let's just even say to 1960, have no idea how to find an app. You actually have to say open laptop or phone. Maybe it's they're like, they know that mentally the people are exhausted. <laughs> they're, you're just exhausted. If it's come to the point where you're going on the dating app at that point, an over 50 dating app, you're, you're just, you're one step away from throwing in the towel. The towel <laughs> is halfway out. Well, let me say, if you have to have the instruction open laptop, you should throw in the towel. The towel should be thrown in. <laughs> Forget about dating. You need bigger, you have bigger problems to solve. Yeah, yeah. I am Chrissy and this is That's Outrageous. And I'm Anne and it this is all outrageous. Everything we're discussing. Look. The year's just begun and already I'm like, oh God, okay. It's going to be a good year, Anne. It's going to be a it good is. year. Yes. I feel optimistic or at least right. I'm, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm, I'm, I'm faking that I'm optimistic, but I'm going to pretend like I am. Listen, that's, that's, that's what happens. You have to assume the role that you want and then it happens. Right. I'm manifesting greatness. Manifesting. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, here's, listen, here's an optimistic story, sort of. Okay. So this one, a couple was driving on one of these <laughs> death-defying California roads. I say that from my own perspective, because I don't like heights. Ooh, me either. That makes me so nervous when like there's no guardrails and it's just, yeah. no, I can't do it. I don't like no, it. I can't either. Well, this poor couple was driving on one of these roads and a car came <gasps> up behind them and was honking the horn, which first of all, what's your problem? That's like my worst nightmare, like a maniac driver doing that to you and you're teetering on the edge. No. So exactly. And I think you can see what happened. So they decided to try to pull over so this maniac could go by them and their car teetered, as you said, <gasps> teetered on the edge and fell 300 feet. Oh my God. Now, let me say this. The driver of the car that was honking never stopped, just kept going. I don't know. I will. Let's hope they did not see the car go down into the They canyon. probably did. They probably did see it and don't care. Because why are you... Uh, the People who are like the maniac drivers like that, I'm like, where, who are you that you're so important that you have somewhere to be more like who? I'm sorry, doctor. Like, where are you going? Yeah, plus you're on a road that's like basically like a scenic highway. If you're really in a rush, why are you taking that road? Right. Anybody who behaves that way and drives that way is a fucking loser. Period. End of story. There are no exceptions. Unless it is an emergency. And in that point, you would be 
flashing your lights and yelling, I'm sorry, it's an emergency to get through. Right. I'm going into labor. What could it be? Yeah. It's people who need to try to exert some sort of authority or feeling of control because they have none because they're fucking losers. Wonderful. Yeah. But anyway, so these poor people then go over the cliff and go, this is how we're going out because I'm some fucking Nissan Sentra behind me was beeping. It was a Mercedes. Oh, even worse. (laughs) Anyway, they fell 300 feet by some miracle. They only sustained minor injuries. Wow. Their car was upside down in this canyon. And now they're like, they crawl out of the car. Oh my God. But they're stuck in this canyon and no one knows that they've fallen or if the one person does, they didn't do anything. Right. So not that I like iPhones and this is going to sound like an ad for an iPhone, but they have, they had an iPhone 14, which I guess has a new feature where it actually, based on the movement of the phone, they can detect if you've gotten into an accident. Yes. I actually do have the new iPhone 14 and I, I heard that that is a... Uh, one of its new benefits yes and so the phone contacted a satellite to contact emergency services they were able the car the the phone was also thrown out of the car but they were able to find it and then talk to somebody who helped guide them because of course they didn't have a great signal so they were trying to tell them how to hold the phone so that they could get the thing the signal oh my god and within 30 minutes, there was a helicopter there to save them from the canyon. Well, that's amazing. And actually, that is a benefit of having an iPhone, I guess. Yeah. Because you don't know. You never know. You need it till you need it. Yeah. I mean, and and the other thing is, they were like, you know, it was very remote. If they didn't have that, they wouldn't, they would not have been able to climb up these 300 feet up the canyon to try to find help. They might have died out there. Of course. And did they, and so did they ever find this other driver? No. You know what? Fuck that guy. I agree. I think that's such a low life move. But I mean, again, luckily these people are alive. They, again, only sustained minor injuries. One of them had a concussion, but no broken bones. It's amazing when you see the car. That's amazing. What kind of car were they driving? Uh, They were driving, I believe it was a Hyundai. Well, fucking that's an advertisement for a Hyundai if I ever heard one. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive it was a Hyundai. I like a Hyundai. I feel like anytime I get a rental car, it's a Hyundai. And I'm like, I like this car. Hyundais are very, they're very nice looking also. No, it's a, it's a miracle that they were okay. Really? Oh God. I hope one day somebody finds that Mercedes. I agree. Yeah. They said, I guess, you know, this was a sort of somewhat of a slow tumble down. And they said halfway through, they're like, okay, we'll be all right. And then they were like, no, we're going to die. This is because they, they kept falling. Right. They just kept falling. Oh God. That's terrifying. Yes. So a Christmas miracle. Yeah. All right. Here's another happy story. I mean, I don't know if that's a happy story. I'm glad that they survived, but I don't think your car careening off a cliff is a happy story. That's true. But it had a happy ending. Yes. It was harrowing, but it turned out okay. There you go. Another H word. Right. Much like 2022 harrowing, but it's turned out turning out okay. So here's another story. There is a boy uh, who came with his family from Nigeria okay. a few years ago. They fled in 2017, fearing attacks by the terror group Boko Haram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
when he came, he was seven years old. He and his family were living in a homeless shelter, uh, but he was going to school and he saw a flyer about a chess club and he decided to join this chess club. And it turned out that he became a chess prodigy. Wow. At the age of eight, he defeated 73 of the best chess players in his age group to win a state championship. And this garnered a lot of press for him. And now his family has been officially granted asylum by the U.S. and they will be able to stay here uh, and and find a path to citizenship. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. His parents, the the mother just sort of now kind of, I don't want to say manages, but sort of manages his chess career because he goes to all these competitions all over the place. And the father is a uh, realtor and uh, he also has a brother and they're they're doing well. And a lot of it is thanks to the kindness of strangers who know his story and make a lot of donations for them to be able to afford to do all this traveling and yeah because that's not inexpensive i mean traveling around all these different tournaments and then don't you have to pay to like participate in the tournaments and stuff oh yeah no it's it's not cheap but also because they have been the beneficiary of so much kindness they have set up a foundation to try to raise money for people back in nigeria who are in similar circumstances that they were in well that is a feel-good story That is a feel-good story, yes. And this kid is very serious about chess. He practices after school seven to eight hours a day. Wow. I guess if you just have a, like, I don't have a chess brain, I don't think, but I think that if you have that skill, it's just, it's really something. Yeah, very sweet. And this kid uh, seems very dedicated to to the cause, let's say. Good for him. Yeah. And like I said, they started their own foundation, so that they can try to help people back in Africa. That's great. Yeah. All right, Anne. And one more story this week. This one. So the World Cup was happening all through uh, November, December. Yeah. I don't care about it. I was totally into it. Yeah. I didn't watch even one minute of any of it. It's quite, it was quite the It was quite the tournament, let's say. I know. Look, I, I know I'm in the minority on this one. I just don't care. Yes. Well, I'll say people in Argentina take soccer very seriously. They say it's as close to a a religion as you can possibly imagine. Yeah. I saw the call, the announcer weeping. (laughs) And I said, this this is why, again, I don't have the sports brain genes. I'm like, I don't get it. You're weeping because they're good at soccer. I don't understand. But to each his own, good for you. But I, I personally don't get it. So this guy, so you really won't understand this. So uh, Argentina, as we now know, won the World Cup, but they were in the semifinal match against Croatia. Okay. And this man was on a bus in, in Argentina that was moving very slowly. And the Croatia game was about to begin and he was getting very agitated that he wouldn't be home in time to see the match. Yeah, And then for some unknown reason, the driver of the bus stopped, pulled over to go to a kiosk, which would be annoying if you were on a public bus that the driver just stopped to, I don't know, get a snack or something. Yeah. So he jumped into the driver's seat and took took off with the bus. Well, that's deranged. And again, sir, you're a loser. Once again, <laughs> someone racing 
racing in a vehicle for not any important reason. I'm like, are you in the game? Are you are you ready to suit up? Are they waiting for you? Are your cl- fucking shin guards in the back of the bus and you need to cl- throw them on? I don't think so. Yeah, well, he drove four miles, got as close to his house as he could, and then got out and ran. But then by that point, the police had been alerted and they arrested him and he missed the entire game. Yeah, as he should have, because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. You you can't think one step ahead and go, hmm, this won't end well for me and I'm probably not going to be able to see the game. He's driven. He's driven. Literally. Literally. Yes. Well, Argentina won the game, so at least he had that, and hopefully he was able to see the final. Yeah, and you know who didn't care about his conundrum? The Argentinian players. And they went on, and they were doing just fine, just like the rest of the country. I think it's rash, dumb decisions that we've been hearing about. Yeah. Well, listen, when that's not the worst of the rash, dumb decisions we've covered on this podcast. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Anne. Well, let's segue now to our movie of the week, which, gosh, two weeks in a row we're doing quality films. I don't know what's becoming of this podcast. (laughs) It is hard for me, and I say this to you. It's like when we pick ones that, like in this movie, there, to me, there is nothing wrong. There is not one thing to make, to, to even borderline make fun of. Like, it is perfect. No notes. Nice. Well, the film that we're talking about is from 1987. It is Moonstruck. Yeah. And it's, it is probably, I mean, definitely top five favorite movies for me. Maybe top three. Wow. Yeah. Well, it did win three Academy Awards. Cher won for Best Actress. Olympia Dukakis won for Best Supporting Actress. And it also won Best Original Screenplay. As it should have. Yeah, which is funny because apparently they had a hard time getting the script uh, shopped around. A lot of people turned it down. That's ridiculous because the script is perfect. That's the classic story, right? Yeah. I actually saw him, John Patrick Shanley, the guy who wrote it. They did a screening of the movie a couple years ago at um, Museum of the Moving Image. And he's a playwright. He's a playwright. Yeah. And so then he he made, he wrote this film and he was kind of talking about that and he was delightful he re- actually reminded me a little bit of the john mahoney character just his vibe oh yeah. yeah but i was into it yeah well and also apparently while they were filming Cher thought she did not do well and was telling olympia dukakis that this film was gonna bomb see it's supposed to show you everyone was wrong yeah because unlike a lot of the movies that we've done, which were initially not box office hits, this was right away both a box office and critical hit uh, when it came out in 1987. Yeah. And I think I've told this already, but I didn't, I saw it probably in 1990 because I was already on, on VHS and I was at my stepmom and dad's friend, Narita, who I love, who was her birthday party. And it, like, it was at my dad's that weekend. And so me and my sister were like relegated to the upstairs bedroom and had nothing, you know, when they were having a party. I believe it was the 40th over the hill birthday party I've talked about. And there was like three VHSs up there and one of them was Moonstruck. And I was like, well, let's, let's watch this. And I loved it. Yeah. So for, I mean, I think a lot of people know this movie, but just for those who might not or might need a refresher, like I did, because I hadn't watched it in decades. I know you watch it all the time. I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I can recite along with the movie. 
I'm not saying that to brag. Like, I think it's cool. I don't know if that is cool, but it's just a straight up fact. The The things that stick in my brain, the entirety of the film Moonstruck, it's in there. Basic knowledge, no. Well, this is the story of Loretta Castorini. Yeah. Now, let me, I'll just say this another interesting thing because when I watched it, I didn't, it did not look to me like Cher and Nicolas Cage had such a huge age difference. But at the time of filming, she was 41 and he was 23. Yeah. She looks good. She looks great. And he's yeah. so hot in this movie. Oh, love him. He does have a certain smolder about him. Yeah. When he's standing sure in front does. of the, uh, the baking oven, whatever you call that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, she is a young widow. She's supposed to be 37 years old and she's an accountant in Brooklyn where she lives with her family. Uh, Her father, Cosmo, and her mother, Rose, played by Vincent Gardenia and Olympia Dukakis. Yep. uh, And her grandfather. And then also her aunt and uncle are main characters in this movie, I would say. Yeah. They're a big, you know, a a multi-generational Italian family. Yep. And they live in this huge house 19 cranberry street which i saw recently it was for sale again and it's like 25 million dollars or something and it just depresses me because i think about i mean obviously that was a sound stage but the inside of the house and how charming it is and i'm sure whoever bought it gutted it and now it's all like open floor plan oh yeah for sure well it's funny because there's a scene much later in the movie with um john mahoney and olympia dukakis and they're outside of her house and he he was very impressed by the size of the house even at that point in time and he's like what what do you guys do and she's like my husband's a plumber he's <laughs> a very successful plumber i would say a lucrative business shit i should be him a plumber <laughs> although i don't know if i'd be good at it i don't know if i'd be good at plumbing no, I don't think I would. I wouldn't want to do it. But yes, it could be a, le- a lucrative field. Anyway, right at the beginning of the film, she is uh, dating Danny Aiello. His <laughs> name is Johnny Camerari. Johnny yeah. And he has a friend named Ronnie. Ronnie and Johnny. Yeah, Ronnie, the brother. Yeah, and he's proposing to her at uh, a restaurant because his mother is dying and he feels like this is something he needs to do before she dies yeah right from the get-go though it doesn't really seem like that much of a exciting romance because she's correcting him on how he's proposing he doesn't have a ring she he's a schmuck johnny camerary's a schmuck but loretta is all about practicality because she was in love with her husband the husband got hit by a bus and died and she's all about being practical and and living a life without you know, any of the complications of love because, you know, she says she's unlucky. She's unlucky. Yeah. And so here's this guy. He seems fine. And he's a nice man. He's a nice man. And she's like, oh, he's not. Yeah, he's definitely nice. Yeah. So he's like, he proposes and then he has to fly off to Italy to go see his dying mother. Yeah. Going to Sicily. Yes. And he says to her, Uh, Can you please get in touch with my brother, who I haven't spoken to in years, and tell him I want him to come to the wedding? Which in and of itself is an asshole move. Because why? You mean he's making her call. He should be calling him. Yeah. Well, I guess he wanted her to to be the bridge. Well, she was the bridge, all right. So she 
calls him he hangs this is Nicolas Cage he hangs up the phone so she's like now I'm gonna have to go to where he works at this bakery and meanwhile if I were Johnny Camareri I'd be like my brother's super hot I mean come on oh well the other thing is in real life the age difference between Danny Aiello and Nicolas Cage was 30 years (laughs) that's 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 quite a spread for that mother yeah but anyway, you know how I get hung up on these practices. I know. I'm like, I'm, I get hung up on practice. I feel like he was, Johnny was probably supposed to be younger and Ronnie was supposed to be a little bit older. Like, in, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think he was probably supposed to be 30 and he was supposed to be 40 or maybe yeah. 45. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so she goes to see him and he's like all hot and bothered at the bakery. And he starts telling her that his brother ruined his life because he was distracted by his brother and he accidentally sliced off his hand. And because of that, his fiance left him. Yep. And now he has no hand and no wife. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his bride. Would you want to take his heartbreak, put it away and forget? (laughs) (laughs) And and my favorite part is that his hand is wood, which I think is funny. I don't feel like wood wood is the best material for the fake hand, considering he, you know, in his line of work, I'm sure it warps and gets hot. And well, it also can't grasp anything. It can't do anything. No, it could catch on fire in the iron and the in the in the wood burning stove. Yeah. So she is like, I don't know what to do with this. Why don't we just go talk? Can we just go talk? Because this is my mission to get you to come to the wedding. So they go back to his apartment where she makes him a steak. Yeah. Which was an interesting move. And a side of pasta. And I will say this too. There's a scene in that scene. There's the girl who works at the bakery with Ronnie and she has her side about, I'm in love with this man, but he doesn't know it. What I love about this movie is every single character, even if they have one line, you know about that person, whether it be that moment, like, the couple that run the liquor store, every single person, you know, their essence, you know who they are just from one line, like throw away, throw away characters that aren't real throwaway characters. Yes. Her name is Chrissy. Yes, it is Chrissy over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. (laughs) Yes. And the director is Norman Jewison. And he said that he, this, the scene at Ronnie's apartment in particular he filmed a lot of it like he would stage a play. He did yeah. a lot of blocking and working things out before he shot it. I guess usually film sets are perhaps a little bit more fluid, but he was very precise in how he wanted them to act out these scenes. And and that one, he has said, is his favorite scene that he's ever shot, the scene between them in the kitchen. It's amazing. <laughs> When he flips the table, I mean, it's beyond. Yes. So yes, they have this discussion. He flips the table and then he says, I'm taking you to the bed, to the bed. Yeah. And she resists for a second and then is like, whatever will be, will be. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I mean, I would do the same. Who wouldn't? And all there is a little bit of magic to all of this because the whole thing is this is all happening during a full moon. Thus the name Moonstruck. Mm hmm. They're having this moment concurrently. Her aunt and uncle are, you know, he had told this whole story about how when Vincent Gardenia is courting Olympia Dukakis, that he had come over one night and the and he was standing outside and the moon was hitting him. And it was this like 
he couldn't believe what he was seeing that he was out there and of course Vincent Gardini is like that didn't happen he's like no it did and so now here it is however many years later this magical moon has has reappeared yeah and that is you know the aunt and uncle she's like oh looking at you in the moon you look like you're 25 years old some romance in the air yes yeah and it's so charming like i just that whole part of brooklyn i mean i I didn't know new york when i would watch this movie but i was just like oh this just seems like the best i want to go to camerary's bakery you know by the way camerary's bakery they still exist the bread still exists because my got it for me a couple years ago they still sell camerary brothers bread but no longer i read it's no longer at that location though it's no longer at that location but they still make it and like they i don't remember where he found it but they do still make it so yeah so it's this magical night and then also concurrent to this is that uh limpia dukakis suspects that her husband is cheating on her and she's mm-hmm. right yeah so that's another reason why vincent gardini doesn't like all this talk about this magical moment because he feels guilty that he's cheating on his wife and not great yeah so now loretta is all uh conflicted when she wakes up in the morning she's like this is a huge this was a huge mistake the famous line where she slaps him across the face as i'm in love with you and she slaps him snap out of it (laughs) yes yes and he so he says to her i will leave you alone if you will go to the opera with me yeah he loves two things in life and that's the opera and loretta and la boheme is his opera that he plays all the time and, and again, I went to see La Boheme at the Met. I had my own Moonstruck. I said, I'm going to, I want to do just like a Moonstruck. Went, saw it. It was wonderful. I also cried. Well, apparently when they first made the film, they had the opening credits to La Boheme, but then they screened it for audiences and everyone thought it was going to become like an art film and they were turned off by that. So they changed it to Dean Samore. Uh, oh, really? Yes. They did have, I think, I think the closing credits then had La Boheme, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, the whole movie, I mean, the the, the arias from La Boheme are like throughout the entire movie. Yeah, but they did, the movie opens with Dean Martin singing That's Amore. That's Amore, that's a good one. Yes. Well, there's also a funny line that she, so they go to the opera and she, you know, is not an opera person and she says that she was crying because she didn't really think that she was going to die, the, the main character of La Boheme, and he's like, well, she had she have tuberculosis she had TB. Or he's like well she had yeah. tv and she's like i know it's still she was coughing with she was still coughing but had to keep singing and still she kept singing yes many famous lines from this movie yeah and then she's at the opera oh so she gets all she gets all done up she does her hair gets a new dress the whole thing i will say the only thing in this movie and this is the only thing that has bothered me ever is the scene when loretta gets back from getting her hair done and getting her dress and everything and she's and she puts on that weird easy listening music and she's like checking herself out in the mirror she only puts lipstick on the top one fourth of her lip yes and it's that's always that's been the only thing in this movie that i've ever gone why loretta why yeah why the top one fourth I just, well, then it cuts. Then I just took it that she was going to finish the job. I know, but I wish she had applied the full lipstick. Yeah, well, I would blame Norman Jewison for that. That's my only critique of the film. The lipstick. The lipstick. 
Yeah, she gets like a full makeover. She buys a dress. She goes to meet Nicolas Cage. They're at Lincoln Center. She's all interested in the chandeliers and the grandeur of it all. Yeah, looking good. Yes, he's he's very pleased with how she looks. Very smitten. Mm-hmm. And then she runs into her father, who's there with his mistress. Yeah, Mona. And she confronts him, and they both base. And he's like, "Well, who are you here with?" They're they're sort of both. Uh, not with who they're supposed to be with yeah and they kind of agree to just acknowledge and move on yeah you didn't see me here she says i don't know what i've seen and then simultaneously olympia dukakis is home alone and she goes out to the local to the grand ticino their local italian restaurant which i wish existed but it's not real it's not in that Mm, neighborhood because i would go that would be my spot and once again we see john mahoney who there are two scenes take place in the restaurant and both scenes he has like young girls breaking up with him and throwing water in his face so this happens again and the and olympia dukakis invites him to to sit with her and eat dinner and they have like a fascinating conversation about men and women and she's fascinated with getting to the bottom of the idea of why do men chase women so she wants to be like why and then everyone throws their theories out and her theory is that she thinks it's because they fear death which he basically he actually then comes around to that he he agrees with her yeah they have this whole conversation and he sort of agrees with her now he is sensing an opportunity here he asks if he can walk her home and then he asks he keeps saying oh i'm so cold can i come inside can i please come inside and then when she says no he's like you can come to my apartment he's he's very uh he doesn't give up easily no but he's very charming i love john mahoney Oh, yeah, he was. Yes, he was very good. And he credits this movie for actually helping him get cast in Frasier because I don't think he was that well known before this. He had that one two punch because he did, I think, same year, 87 with uh, Moonstruck and say anything. Anyway, she says he can't come in because she knows herself. I know who I am. And now she's had this evening and who comes knocking at the door? But Johnny back from Sicily and he's looking for Loretta. Fucking Johnny Camerari knocking on the door. And I love when she goes, when he has the luggage and she goes, because it's something old people would always say, like if you knocked into something, the house, the house, like if you not, if you knocked something into a wall, like I just remember grandparents and like older people always using that expression. And it makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, where's Loretta? She's like, she's not here. Come back in the morning. And he's like, okay, I'll be back in the morning. He has this whole bit that he keeps leaving his suitcases behind. Yeah. Loretta comes home. Her mother sees her. She's like a hickey on her neck. Her mother's like, what the heck? Her mother is so over everything at this point. She's like, everybody's fucking up and doing some wild shit. Once again, the return of the hickey. I applaud it. I wish it would come back. (laughs) You got a love bite on your neck. Love bite, yes. And she says, listen, Johnny's coming over. You better put your put makeup on that you better hide it and and loretta's all you know agitated and the door rings and who is it but not johnny it's ronnie yeah ronnie also has a love bite on his neck so the mother is even more disgusted at this point he comes to meet the family he doesn't seem phased by any of this he's very friendly to everybody introducing himself he's like this is what it is (laughs) so rose you know says you know do you want to sit down for breakfast he says yes loretta's like no he sits down they're all eating oatmeal and then cosmo and his father come down and they start talking about loretta getting married and him saying that he should pay for her wedding which is also funny because she's sitting there with the man that 
she's been cheating on her spouse uh her fiance with yeah yeah uh and then then this is a good part too rose then says to cosmo you need to end your affair yeah have i been a good wife and here's another thing i don't like is then cosmo he goes okay and then he's like you realize that your world you know your life means nothing and i'm like that's a fucked up thing to say to your wife well that's what she basically says to him your life is built on nothing and she's like your life is not built on nothing well i like i have to say i liked when she said that when she said to him you have to end the affair he pounded the table and stood up as if he was gonna have some big argument against this right and then he just says okay okay and then she goes (laughs) and then you have to go to confession and that's when he says your life you know my life is built on nothing yes and she says that she loves him and i think he then is starting to realize that she's right his life is not built on nothing yeah he has a beautiful 25 million dollar uh townhouse in that's right then the aunt uncle come over it's like everyone's coming over except for johnny every time the doorbell rings they think it's gonna be johnny it's not johnny (laughs) i love that they make the aunt stand when they're all sitting around drinking coffee and (laughs) it's like they this poor old woman be the ones none of the men get up and offer their chair to the old no old lady and she's kind of like what are we doing but it was good because they had to have every again almost like a play they wanted to have everyone back in the room for this final scene so why were they there because loretta forgot to make a bank deposit and they were afraid that somehow she was stealing money from them which would be completely out of character (laughs) he goes we never suspected you (laughs) right we never suspected you but here we are we're afraid thanks yeah so then in the midst of all of this johnny finally arrives and the aunt goes to get the door and everyone is like sitting there on pins and needles and johnny doesn't think anything of the fact that ronnie's there i think he just thinks oh good she met him and he you know he's going to come to the wedding they reconciled yeah and he makes this big announcement his daughter his daughter his mother has made a miraculous recovery and she's gonna live but the bad news is he wants to talk to loretta by herself she's like no you're gonna say it in front of everybody and he says uh i'm breaking off the engagement i can't marry you if i marry you my mother will die exactly which loretta gets very upset about even though she was about to tell him that she wasn't going to marry him well she was like you proposed it was a promise it was it was a promise yes and then in the midst of this ronnie stands up and says will you marry me yeah and she says yes but where's the ring which is the same problem that she had with johnny when he proposed neither of them had a ring right and who's proposing without a ring and then he gives her the ring that he had he asked johnny for the ring that he had just proposed her with which was his pinky ring yes and then rose olympia dukakis says to to loretta do you love him oh yeah so that's like one of the best signs of the whole movie it is and loretta says my love him awful and she says oh that's too bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) that actually made me laugh out loud yeah and so basically at that point they get out the champagne they toast they always are putting sugar cubes in the champagne which i've never seen before and it's like okay we're all gonna be one big happy family now yeah i love the grandpa i just love him when he's crying they go why are you crying he's like i'm confused yes he's confused that's right because he's like who who, who who's why why is she marrying ronnie not johnny yeah so really this this is like a big it's almost i mean the main characters are obviously loretta and ronnie and johnny to like that love triangle but there's a lot of different love stories there's the parents there's the aunt and the uncle and they all and some of them overlap with the cosmo running into loretta at the opera and he's with mona you know like yeah it's a very 
intricately woven story that works out. Yeah. No notes. I'm telling you, if I'm feeling sad, I put, I, I put on Moonstruck. Yeah. It's a, well, it's, it's a, uh, it is a romance and it's also a comedy, but not in the sense of like, when you think about a rom-com. Yeah. I don't think I would classify this as a rom-com. Although I love a rom-com. It's a better movie than a rom-com. Yeah. It's just a really well done, smart, layered movie with great performances everybody should have won an oscar for it i think yeah i think they were all up for num. uh i think they're all nominated i don't think nicholas cage was nominated i think you might be right but i think vincent gardenia was yeah i think he was yeah and interestingly enough the studio wanted peter gallagher to play the ronnie character and share insisted on nicholas cage well good for her because i cannot imagine anybody else in that part certainly not peter gallagher yeah she did a screen test with him and she was like this is who it has to be i will not do the movie unless he is cast and so they were like they wanted her so they were like okay that's because Cher knows what's up don't ever question her <laughs> it's it's share you go yeah share share thinks this okay yeah, and then Anne Bancroft and Maureen Stapleton were both considered for the role of Rose, the mother that eventually went to Olympia Dukakis. They were both too expensive for the part. Okay. I mean, I could see maybe either one of them, but Olympia Dukakis is so great. She is. She's very, she plays a very good, like all-knowing yet exhausted character. Yeah. I, I don't, if you don't like this movie, I don't trust you. I don't. <laughs> Well, I think there's very few people who didn't like it because it has like a 93%. I know you love Rotten Tomatoes score on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that's 7% who don't. Yes. And like I said, it was critically acclaimed and commercial. It, 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 I don't think there were many people who had anything really bad to say about this film. Yeah, it was a big hit. And what, oh, here's one other thing. When they wrote the script, when John Patrick Shanley wrote the script, he wrote it with Sally Field in mind. That would have been real different. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that casting. But that's the thing. When a movie is that good, it's like you, then you just are like, well, I can't imagine anybody else playing those parts. I mean, I, I love Sally Field, but I just, no. No. And even though Cher is Armenian and not Italian, I don't think Sally Field looks a- at all Italian. No. At least Cher could pass for Italian. Yeah. But yes. And like I said, they really filmed a lot of it like a live stage play as opposed to like a film. You can tell. Yeah. It was, but a very, very fun, very, so many, like you were saying, Anne, so many quotes from this film that are very famous. I, you know what? I'm surprised that they've never done a stage production of this. Yeah. That's a good point since they filmed it like a play. Yeah. It would be very easy to do that. Although, I mean, it's not going to be as good as the movie. I think at this point, you know, I think live theater would welcome something like this, though. It's hard to get people back into the theaters now. I'd go see it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'd say, do you yeah. need an understudy? Because I know all the lines. That's right. And you could be the script supervisor. I could. Yeah. So like I said, lots and lots and lots of famous lines from this movie on lots of like top 100 lists of all time, top rom-coms of all time. Yeah. A classic in the truest sense. Yeah, and if you haven't seen this movie, which sometimes people, you know, you just, there are certain things, I've never seen a lot of big blockbuster movies, do yourself a favor. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, you can see it again, like I did. 
Yeah. I did not remember most of this movie, but of course I was quite young when I saw it. I have it. I like, I literally sometimes will just have it on in the background while I'm doing stuff. <laughs> I find it soothing. It's like soothing and relaxing for me. Yes. All right. And well, I guess I don't have to ask. I'm guessing this is a Muldoon. Of course it's a Muldoon. Muldoon for me as well. 2023. So far, two good films. I know. We got to mess it up somehow. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Just about you that. wait until next week. No, but you know what? They're all good. Yeah. Well, in their in their own special way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, that's that's the lesson of 2023. You can you can extract some goodness out of something that's seemingly not good. Yes. Make lemonade out of lemons. Yes. This is this is you know what I'm extracting from that experience. Yes. All right, Anne. Well, this was a good one, and I hope that we can continue the streak. I mean, let's let's be real, but yeah. Outrageous. Well, I'm on my-